All right, welcome back to the EM Stud Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Scott Weeders, your EMED coach, coming to you with another great episode to help you achieve your goals to becoming an emergency physician. So we've talked before about our episodes on what I want to be when I grow up, because there's so many different ways to practice emergency medicine. We love being in the department, but then there's also areas, there's niches, there's, there's specialties, there's fellowships, there's a lot of things that emergency physicians do. And so we want to continue our series in what I want to be when I grow up with bringing you an ultrasound director. So we're very fortunate to have our good friend, uh, Dr. Matt Losey, our emergency department ultrasound director, who just came and joined our faculty a little over a year ago. And so Matt's taken some time out of his uh, busy schedule to share with us some of his uh, pearls and wisdom and experience and why he loves to be an emergency medicine physician. And not only that, but an emergency ultrasound director for our residency. So, Matt, welcome to the EMSTED podcast. Thanks, Scott. Glad to be here. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about yourself and kind of how we got here? So, yeah, I um, I have kind of an interesting background in that uh, I originally started my training process out of medical school in general surgery. Um, I spent about four, four and a half years training out in Seattle uh, in a general surgery residency program. And then just kind of came to the realization at the end of that time that uh, it just was not uh, working out the way I wanted it to, was not the right fit and ended up, um, you know, making a, a 180 degree kind of uh, life change and, and and having to look and go back through the match and figure out what to do from there. And I guess, you know, emergency medicine uh, originally uh, kind of floated to the top of kind of like what to do next in my mind because I'd always loved uh, just kind of the, the culture of the ED when I was uh, coming down as a trauma consultant at Harborview in Seattle and the the docs there just seemed like they were always at ease and very collegial and uh, just had a, a great culture uh, to that environment um, and so I ended up uh, reapplying um, through the match again and uh, matched out at Stony Brook University uh, part of the SUNY system in Long Island and um, and moved my family which with two, two kids at that time uh, across uh, to the other coast and, um, and, and that, um, ultimately was a, uh, you know, it was an interesting transition kind of going from that surgery kind of mentality where you're very focused, you know, kind of on one patient at a time, whether it's in the OR or, you know, on a consult uh, and you're not liking to be interrupted. And uh, I have vivid memories of the attendings, you know, yelling at the OR staff nurses to turn the pagers off because they didn't want uh, the floors calling us about different things. Whereas in the emergency department, we know we're constantly getting interrupted um, by uh, by various things because the patients are coming in all the time. And there's uh, there's always a dynamic uh, test switching kind of process that we have to evolve and, and, and get used to. Um, so that was that was a challenge. Um, but uh, one of the first rotations I actually did uh, as an emergency medicine resident was in ultrasound. Uh, so I got to spend two weeks just kind of really uh, reading about it, uh, getting to see how to do it hands-on, uh, being taught how to do it. And uh, that really um, was um, formative for me in kind of thinking about going into a specialty of emergency medicine later on because uh, I loved the ability to basically look at this anatomy, which I had spent all those years in surgery becoming familiar with on the sort of operative side, uh, being able to kind of diagnose pathologies without having to wait for a radiology study and having to send the patients off to CT or or radiology ultrasound. I could just take the ultrasound myself and plop it on the gallbladder and see if there were stones or take a look at, you know, anything else really in the body that I, that I was worried about with that patient. So that, uh, that was kind of where things got started for me. And, um, it just kind of grew from there. Um, so yeah. Wow, Matt, that's a, that's a pretty amazing story. I mean, 
I think that's just such a great reminder. You know, I think a lot of us feel like, as a, from a student's perspective, like I've got to go through this pathway and it's going to be straight and it's going to be perfect. There's going to be no hiccups. And I think just learning from your background tells you a couple of things. I mean, first is no one has a perfectly straight uh, pathway to where they are uh, when when they get to their destination. And not that you've reached your destination, but I think where you are today, it, you've been such a, a powerful, I think, addition to our department and your skill set's diverse. And I think learning more about your pathway kind of helps us understand why that's the case. And I, this would just be an encouragement to our students that, you know, maybe if you don't find your perfect pathway initially, there's, there's always a way around those kind of things to reach some goals that you have. Now, Matt, I, I think through that, uh, I wonder, were there other um, leaders or mentors or people that you leaned on to help guide you through that process? I don't think any of us would be the people we are today without those, those mentors and advocates and leaders. So can you maybe tell us some stories or speak to some of the people that kind of helped you through that pathway? Well, yeah. So, you know, the, um, the, the second year of emergency medicine is often a, a challenging year for folks, um, m- much like actually in surgery, where you're spending a lot of time outside of the department uh, in rotating in critical care environments. Um, so you're spending a lot of hours in the hospital, in the ICU. Uh, you're not necessarily kind of doing what you, you kind of thought you had signed up for um, while you're getting important skills from those rotations. Sometimes it feels like you're away from your real home. And so that was kind of a, a little bit of a dark time uh, for me when I was kind of doing some soul searching about, God, you know, how do I, you know, I was reading about burnout and how this affects a lot of specialties and especially ours. And I was trying to kind of come to an, um, an understanding of how I could improve my longevity in this, this second chosen field of mine, having, you know, kind of decided surgery was, was, was not the way to go. And I talked to my program director, Scott Johnson, um, at Stony Brook, who, by the way, is a fantastic guy. And he was recently voted like uh, program director of the year by cord, uh, in this last, this last year here. So, uh, he had some really valuable pearls of wisdom to share with me. I said, you know, you're, you're, you've been in this field for 30 years and you're still excited to come to work. You still have enthusiasm for the job and for teaching. And so, you know, what's, your secret. And he told me, you know, he's like, it, it's a couple of things really. It's uh, cause he had worked out in the community practice for a while before returning to academics himself. And he, he said, um, for me, staying in academics uh, has really been a, a kind of a lifesaver and a sort of, you know, something that, that I can be passionate about, that I can, you know, invest my energies, not just in the clinical kind of meat grinding of kind of seeing patient after patient, you know, like in, in a sort of volume driven shop in the community, but but I actually, you know, get to spend some of my time then teaching you guys. And um, so finding that niche as well, um, you know, just finding something that, that you are passionate about within the field that you can kind of maybe... Um, maybe negotiate with kind of, you know, your leadership for some protected time to spend some of your energies, uh, on that, on that thing, which, uh, which ultimately can be very life giving. Um, and, and, uh, and so that, that really hit home with me. And I, I decided to start thinking about, even though I originally was, was from a mindset that, Hey, you've already trained four years in this other field. And now you're going to do, go back and do three years in emergency medicine. Why would you ever consider, you know, a fellowship or prolonging your, your quote unquote suffering, um, more than you are already have. But, um, but I, but I decided, you know, if it's going to buy me that much more satisfaction and longevity in the, in the field that I'm, that I'm in, it's worth it. Um, so I ultimately, yeah, yeah. So, and then I and then I basically started to evaluate what the different options were. You know, I mean, I enjoyed critical care and stuff, and I and I thought, well, with my surgical background, I could consider that that direction, maybe um, doing a surgical critical care fellowship. Um, but ultimately, I kept on coming back to ultrasound because. 
I, I just was so, you know, enamored with how useful it was to me on a daily basis doing shifts in the ED, like, you know, if patients were especially like if they were critically ill, like one of the biggest tools I had to kind of rapidly decipher what was going on was the the ultrasound at the bedside. And um, and so that just kind of continued to impress me. And I, I got to train with some some great folks at Stony Brook uh, in, in the EM critical care world like Scott Weingart. And, um, and, and, you know, seeing them kind of, you know, use the ultrasound to really, um, kind of hone in what, what needed to happen for the patient and guide their resuscitation, whether it was, you know, fluids versus pressors and, and, uh, narrow down, cross those H and T's off as we're dealing with a shocky patient. Um, it was, uh, it, it definitely kind of convinced me that that was probably the way I wanted to go. All right. So you've, you've had some amazing mentors. These people have guided you and, and shown you maybe some of your strengths, your qualities, and helped you find your path. And then you kind of commit. You're all in. You're like, I'm going to go be an emergency ultrasound uh, fellow and then director. So walk us through. I mean, if there's some students or maybe some residents that are thinking about that, what is exactly involved in the training and the, I mean, the daily aspects of, of what it takes to go through an ultrasound fellowship? Could you spend some time maybe speaking to that? Yeah, great, great questions. Um, so the ultrasound fellowship is unique in that at the current time and up to this point, um, historically, it has not been an ACGME accredited fellowship. And what that what that really means is that uh, for one, you don't have you don't have a board exam that you take at the end of the fellowship where you get a, a subspecialty sort of certification uh, from it. But what it also does is it allows each program to kind of tailor its individual curriculum to kind of meet the the kind of the the specialized interests that the the fellow themselves have um, it's, it doesn't have to be as rigid and as sort of uh, you know stamped by the ACGME as something that is going through the accreditation process like critical care or toxicology um, so that was an advantage and it also um, allowed for them to you know kind of allow me to do you know basically half time attending shifts and so as I was starting to spread my fledgling wings as an attending out of residency I was also getting to you know kind of uh, dig in on this specialty area of ultrasound and so you know I would do a clinical shift and then maybe the next day I would come in and we would do you know ultrasound QA of scans and review scans and and and, le- and hear lectures from our you know from our fellowship directors and then we would go scan in the department and just really hone in on a certain area each week and uh, and then I was also getting to learn how to develop my teaching skills because we would have lots of resident rotators coming through and then also medical students and we we developed a longitudinal curriculum for the medical school from years one to four um, uh, at Stony Brook and so we were doing workshops with them and live models to scan on and things. And so that actually was was part of the curriculum, which, you know, um, I think was really helpful for me to develop my my skills as an educator. All right, cool. So you finish the fellowship, you come out and join our uh, group. And now you're our ultrasound director. You're you're doing some work. You're teaching residents. You're doing faculty development for me and others. You're working with our students, developing student electives. And I know you guys are getting grant money, and you're really expanding kind of the footprint of ultrasound and leading the way. But let's talk. You know, what does an ultrasound director do on a on a daily basis? Let's go ahead and give me a, a just what is it like for a day in the life of a director? Yeah. So. Um so I'd say that in, in the ultrasound director role, um, it is a, a great kind of uh, way to diversify my energies as a, as a practitioner uh, in this field. Like, um, you know, I'll work uh, shifts, um, a slightly reduced load because of my administrative role. But then I, I actually come in once a week um, to work with the residents and the medical students that are on ultrasound electives. And we'll, we'll do, you know, uh, didactics, we'll do uh, literature review, uh, we'll do some kind of review of their scans 
scans as well, just to say, you know, how can we hone this and focus focus our, uh, our our scans a little bit better? And then we'll go into the department and actually just kind of make ultrasound rounds and kind of look for patients that both have a maybe a clinical indication to to get a scan or just kind of do an educational pan scan, if you will, or a pan sano on patients just to kind of um, you know practice those, get those reps in for the for the students and the residents. And so that Tuesdays usually ends up being one of my favorite days. Um, it kind of provides a little bit of stability uh, in what, what can otherwise be a field where you're constantly having a shifting schedule. And so I always know my Tuesdays afternoon is going to be, you know, with ultrasound. Um, and it, it, uh, it's like an anchor point for my week. Um, and then, you know, obviously, uh, on the outside, you know, there's a lot of work that happens from home, um, just in terms of scan review, uh, QA, providing that feedback to the, the residents as they're learning um, how, how to do this modality of point of, point of cure ultrasound. So what does a uh, ultrasound director bring to a department and what are some kind of projects that you've been working on as you transition now from a train mill to more of an administrative role, leadership role? Let's speak to some of those kind of things. Yeah, thanks for reminding me of that. That's another uh, another area where I think as uh, an ultrasound fellowship trained uh faculty member at an academic center, you can really um, take a, a leadership role is to to get involved with uh, multidisciplinary ultrasound advancement efforts and try to work to improve your infrastructure. So, you know, that may look like uh, developing or, or acquiring a like a software program that has a cloud to store images across all these disciplines that are being saved in all these different venues, whether it's the hospital or the ambulatory setting. And that's one of the projects that I've kind of been focusing on for this last year is trying to get something where, you know, rather than storing images on just thumb drives and, and personal laptops, we actually have it on a cloud that's then accessible to everyone who uses the modality and can and it just facilitates feedback and report creation that can flow to your EMR and stuff. And so there's a lot of those kinds of projects that come with um, with with this with this sort of a field. Um, and it's it's interesting because you kind of end up being a little microcosm of what you know an other leadership roles like in ED chairs and vice chairs have to deal with when when it comes to you know equipment maintenance and um, and education and continuing development of faculty and resident skills and things. So it's, it is kind of an interesting microcosm of a lot of the, the different ED operations kind of roles that are, that are taken on. So, Well, Matt, I don't think ultrasound needs a whole lot of uh, salesmanship here, but I, I just love some of the cases you bring into our morning reports with our residents and, and conferences and definitely the perspective you take of how powerful ultrasound can be. But can you give me a few stories about how ultrasound really just changed the game and made some huge impacts to improve some patient care, really made some, some, some clutch saves? Give us a few stories about those. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, that, is, that is a really um, important um, piece of why I think ultrasound is, is such a fundamental skill in our specialty is that, uh, like for example, uh, one of my very first patients uh, in my new job here at, at Scott & White in Temple, um, with, with just brand new residents and I'd not, not worked with them very much. And so I was kind of figuring out our EMR, figuring out what the flow is like and how to make things happen, uh, in, in a new system. And we had this, you know, 40 some year old gentleman who came in, uh, just acutely short of breath and looking like he was going to need to be intubated. And, um, he just was not able to give us any kind of history and uh, had no family. And he probably even came in under like an unidentified, uh, you know, I, um, uh, patient ID just because uh, it was from EMS and there was not time to kind of sort things out. Uh, but basically, we we brought the ultrasound immediately to the bedside. We looked at his lungs and we found beelines everywhere, which, as you know, connote uh, fluid, pulmonary edema oftentimes. And we looked at his heart. We noticed that the squeeze was not 
was not great, but it wasn't like as bad as I was expecting for how significantly dyspneic and unstable he was appearing. His blood pressure was very, very high. And then we, we turned on the color flow and we could see that there was something abnormal happening around the mitral valve. There was a significant amount of mitral regurgitation and the, the mitral valve uh, leaflet was kind of flapping in the breeze in an um, abnormal way. And so we ended up realizing that he had had like a, an acute uh, papillary muscle rupture. Um, and we, we had to have him on, you know, very, very high dose um, nitroglycerin and nicardipine drips just to try to control his uh, his blood pressure and try to get this acute pulmonary edema under control. And um, he ultimately had a, you know, an ICU course and uh, evaluation by cardiac surgery and stuff. But it, it just kind of highlighted to me that in this acute, you know, unstable dyspneic patient, um, you know, the ultrasound was able to tell us so much about what had kind of put him in that in that position and how, how we should respond and, uh, therapeutically. Oh, man, that's such a cool story. I mean, I could listen all day long about the, uh, the cases that you've had and, and the ways that ultrasound has really made some, some great saves. Um, Matt, let's just say that maybe some students are really interested in what's going on right now. There's some residents, and they're like, man, that's, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to do ultrasound fellowship. I want to train and teach and lead and do research in ultrasound. So what could a student or a resident do now to kind of prepare themselves on a trajectory to be like you when they grow up? Well, I would say that, you know, the, the, the first thing would be do some exploration, um, talk to, talk to folks that have, have taken that path and, and, uh, like myself, just find out, you know, what are the, what are the, maybe the hurdles that have to be overcome? Like if there's, if there's something that needs to be started in terms of a research project to make you a more competitive applicant, I would say, you know, kind of reach out to those faculty that are, are where you're at and see if they have any like pet projects in their back pocket that they've been wanting to, uh, get some help with, uh, that would be a great starting place. And then to just maybe, Maybe see if you can ask to kind of shadow them like on a, on a given, you know, like on their ultrasound day or their, their designated admin day just to kind of see what, what's really involved so that you really get an idea of everything that comes with it. Uh, sometimes it's easy to kind of um, feel like you get the glossed over glamorized version of a specialty um, in medical school, especially you're not always kind of seeing the nitty gritty of what has to happen and some of the frustrations that also accompany various um, specialties. But um, but if you can kind of ask them to really let you let's just be exposed to the the, the kind of the whole totality of, of what their job uh, description entitled uh, or uh, involves, that would be, I think, the most helpful thing about making that educated choice. All right. So that's a good roadmap. I mean, someone can go ahead and follow some of the advice you've given them, find some mentors and work on their pathway to uh, becoming an ultrasound director. Now, what does that bring to a group? I mean, do, do people just kind of go through this? I know a lot of people might just get a job, but like, what does an ultrasound fellowship bring that maybe you wouldn't get from just a typical residency? Well, I, obviously, I would actually say that um, it's probably its versatility and its marketability um, uh, out in the job market right now. Um, there's there's plenty of community jobs to be had. Academic jobs are getting a little tighter, and I think, and this was honestly uh, one of the advice uh, piece of advice given to me by a mentor, Billy Mallon, during my training. Uh, he he feels like ultrasound has a, a broad uh, marketability both for the academic and the community setting, and one of those reasons is. Uh, which I think is, is very true, is that obviously in academics where you're going to be a teacher of ultrasound and maybe run a fellowship program and kind of do faculty development 
there, that that seems pretty obvious, and it certainly works uh, great in that setting as I've chosen. But also in the community, there's a lot of um, ED shops out there where people aren't really doing much ultrasound, or if they're doing it, they're not billing for it, or they don't have it structured in a way that it kind of helps with group revenues and things like that. But as a fellowship trained person, you automatically have that credibility to kind of come in and sell your, you know, basically pitch yourself to that group as somebody who can take over as an ultrasound director and start teaching some of their older faculty how to do basic things like the FAST exam, uh, basic echo for effusion, OB uh, proving, you know, intrauterine and pregnancy. And all of a sudden, you've just uh, basically created a, a, a way in which that group can now do all of these like core ultrasound studies um, that they weren't doing before. So not only improving patient care, but also like really adding to the kind of the, the revenues of the, of the group that you're working for. And so I think it really is true that it has a broad um, versatility in terms of what kind of jobs you can take with it. Um, it's not like you're just consigning yourself to be only an academic position um, with, with this fellowship. Uh, the other thing I think, you, you know, you, if you love anatomy and you love, you know, being able to really kind of do diagnostic workup, you know, in your own hands at the bedside um, for these sick patients, um, there's, it's like what's not to like, what's not to love. All right. Well, there you have it. I mean, it's not just the academics that can benefit from an ultrasound job and research, but also it sounds like there's some work to be done in the community and you bring a special skill set if you do get a ultrasound fellowship. So Matt, I always just like to, I mean, your passion, you just, I, every time I see you, you're smiling, you're excited, you're, you love your job and it really shows. Um, just kind of help us understand why you love your job so much uh, to our listeners out there. They can't just see the bright smile on your face. Well, I think that, uh, what what is really amazing about uh, being in this in this type of a role is that I get to work with you know learners every single day. Um, you know, if, if I was just going out there and kind of using this for, you know, my own practice, like um, just me and the patients, like I think it would be rewarding in and of itself because, you know, obviously like treating treating our patients, caring for them, making sure they get the best care, um, not missing the diagnosis is all part and parcel of emergency medicine. But but. But being in a setting where I get to see the light bulb come on for patient or for for residents and for students on a daily basis, um, as we talk about how you can use ultrasound to kind of, you know, narrow your differential and hone in on your resuscitation strategy and stuff, it, it's it's amazing. And um, and I just had a student the other day who now came back to rotate with me for a second time as a fourth year med student. Who she said after a day of scanning, she's like, you know. I love these days because it's like every day I come, I'm learning something new, even though, you know, we might've talked about this the last time I rotated, it's like, you know, hear it explained in a different way. And all of a sudden, you know, it just makes so much sense. And I'm, I'm just so excited to, to use this, you know, um, for my patients, um, in the future as, you know, as I get out in training. So, I mean, hearing comments like that and then, and then getting to rotate with, you know, actually getting to interact with people from other specialties because emergency medicine, um, is still, uh, will continue to be, I think a leader in, um, bedside ultrasound. Um, amongst uh, medical specialties. And, you know, I've seen this going over to teach surgery residents the, the FAST exam uh, in ATLS and teaching family medicine residents. Um, you know, they're, they're just so excited about it because really a lot of these fields are, are just kind of starting to um, crack open, you know, the possibilities of using ultrasound themselves in their own field to kind of um, really, you know, be a game changer. And so it's really exciting to kind of help hand them the keys to that. Well, there you go. It's uh, obviously easy to get excited about the field of ultrasound. I mean, Matt, you always inspire me and I appreciate all the work that you're doing with our team. Um, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and learn more about your field and maybe you personally, um, can they give you a call? I mean, I think your phone number is 1-800-US-Crystals. Is that right? 
Um, but maybe if that's not working, do you have an email or contact that people can reach out? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, um, I, I think uh, if people wanted to contact me for any kind of professional um, guidance or advice about this, um, they're welcome to reach out to me. Um, my personal email is um, M-A-T-T-L-O-H-S-E, mattlosi at gmail.com. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, Matt, thanks again for all that you do. I know that our department is is better because of having you. So you've really, I think, made us better as uh, better students, better residents. I know I've become a better ultrasonographer because of the stuff you've taught me. And hopefully our patients are going to get better care uh, because of what you've done, your passion, and, and your work. So thanks again for all that you do, buddy. On behalf of my colleague, ER Dr. Nate, that wraps up another show. Uh, If you want to listen to some of our past episodes, you can go ahead and download our podcast at any place you get your podcast, as well as go to our website, www.emstug.com. Also, special thanks to our parent organizations, the Society of Academic Emergency Medicine and Clerkship Directors in Emergency Medicine. Learn more about them by going to sam.org. Well, students, we hope that this has been helpful for you to achieve your goals in becoming an emergency physician. So for all you EM studs out there, until we see you next time, rotate well, my friends. Mm -hmm.